Memphis, 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 Hello and welcome to the Grizz 901 podcast. I am your temporary host, Nathan Qualls. With me is my temporary co-host, Chris Ingram. We're taking over for Daniel and Ryan for just a little bit while they go on sabbatical. A much-deserved sabbatical, but one that they may come to regret once we're we're all through with this. But Chris, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing today? Good, brother. I'm doing good. It's, it's, it's the start of a new week. I'm starting a new job, so I'm happy about that. And hopefully we get some some kind of interesting Grizzly news this week. You know, it's been kind of slow. We've been having that same debate on Twitter, bro. I feel like the last two, three weeks of everybody arguing about us, <laughs> not <laughs> not needing to move. So I'm just ready to change the conversation and, 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 and talk about something else at this point, whether I agree or disagree. I don't even care. Yeah, boredom is definitely taking over gross Twitter. I saw you having an argument with yourself yesterday on Twitter. It's it's reached that yep. level. I found myself starting to check Twitter just to see if I'd missed any kind of NBA news. Honestly, it's so slow. So hopefully the shoe will drop on some of those soon. And between that and the Sunday scaries, man, I'm having to struggle to keep my eyes open over here. So hopefully we'll have some good energy. I'll try and bring all I got. I got my afternoon coffee here. Hopefully that'll keep us going. But we do have some exciting stuff started. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, first off, shame on you. Go back and listen to it. Stop this now. Go listen to that. Then come back here. But we talked about some of the stuff we got coming this summer, and we're going to be doing quite a few deep dive podcasts on some players. And so we'll mainly be hitting on really the top six guys in the rotation in our mind, um, minus a couple that we've probably done a little bit of more talking on in the past. But we're going to be talking on these guys and just going into the role last year, what they have done this offseason, what we think they can do this year, fit on the team, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're super excited about that, as well as bringing on some new team members who will be doing some of these deep dives with us. So keep an eye out for that. But also Daniel and Ryan, again, are on sabbatical. So you'll have myself, Chris, Ian, and probably the new guys coming on here a little bit. So get used to these voices because they're going to be on here for a while. But to start us off on the deep dives is not necessarily the flashiest name, on the Grizzlies, but it's probably one of the fan favorites. In my mind, definitely one of the fan favorites. He just fits Memphis on all, and that is Steven Adams, the big Kiwi, who I pretty much after he carried Tony Bradley out the half court last year, I think Memphis fell in love with him and has ever since, you know, but uh, definitely excited to talk about Adams. I think he personally fits a lot of what this team needs to do. He provides uh, the big body that John needs, but we'll get into a lot of that later. I think the best way to start that off is to talk about the very, very beginning of his story with Memphis, which was not a fairy tale beginning, right? I mean, that trade for JV came and it was, I would say, 90% negative <laughs> out there from Grizz fandom, and rightfully so, right? I mean, JV was awesome for Memphis. He did. A ton of great stuff. He seemed to fit. He was the best offensive player. And again, he had that big bruiser mentality that really fit with Memphis. And so when that came, we didn't really love the haul we got, especially because we thought we were getting the ghost of Steven Adams. But Chris, 
you're the one that actually are doing the deep dive article on Steven Adams. You've looked at this a lot more than me. And I know you had some strong feelings when that trade came through. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about the beginning of the Steven Adams story with Memphis? Yeah, we uh, we were joking a little bit before we got on air. Uh, and I was telling Nate that, you know, when I first got the notification, I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing. I was at home on lunch break, sitting on the ground for whatever reason, uh, in the bedroom. And uh, out of nowhere, we get this notification that the Grizzlies have traded Jonas Val. I think it had cut off right there. So I'm like, oh, snap. We finna get somebody big. And then I checked my phone and it says Steven Adams, uh, Eric Bledsoe, number 17. And I'm, I mean, number 10. And I'm just like, bro, what did we just do? Like, I done put all this faith into this new front office and then y'all go do this. Like, what is going on? And so, um, you know, then the draft happens. And for me, I don't know about a lot of people in Grizz Twitter, but I was huge on James Booknight and Moses Moody. Like, those were my two. If we could come away with those two guys, I'm like, all right, cool. Maybe that trade was worth it. And they were both right there at number 10. I was, you know, constantly watching them fall. And then Zaire pops up on the screen. And I was like, oh, crap. What did we just do again? Just because of the, you know, the year that he had at Stanford. We don't got to go, you know, deep into that right now. But, uh, you know, that was my initial reaction, just kind of looking at the overall thing. And I'm trying to, you know, teach myself now to, wait let's see what happens from this trade let's see what other trades come from this trade and at the end of it you know like we did last year after making i think we made almost 10 trades um you know see what the overall haul was so you know at the end of the day like i wasn't too happy about what happened because jv was coming off like his most productive season uh i believe he's had since you know coming into the league but um, and then, you know, his performance that in, the, in the playoffs that he had, we really needed him down low. So, um, you know, just kind of frustrated with that. But, you know, Steven Adams, he he fit in perfectly just because we've always just kind of had that bruiser, like you said, mentality at the center position, whether it be Mark, whether it be JV, uh, the centers before, whether they were really good or not. We just always had physical guys. And that's what, you know, uh, makes the city, you know, rally around that team. So, um, you know, it, it, you know, from the jump, him and Ja had this just kind of weird chemistry, and we're gonna get into the impact that he had. But it was just kind of good to see him. You know, I guess his experience playing with Russell Westbrook really paid off. Uh, paid off for him uh, with Ja because it's just immediately they clicked. So, um, and obviously, you know, going you know into where we at, at this point now, I'm glad to have him on the team. Don't know what's gonna happen after this next year, but. Um, yeah, that was my thoughts initially, man. I was just like, I just don't know what this front office is doing, but I'm going to trust them. Obviously, this year I'm a little different, but I'm still going to trust them. We're going to see what happens. So well, I know you talked a little bit, but like, what was, where where were you and, you know, how did you feel about it when it first happened? Well, I was, I was on the same page. I was more in shock, I think, than I was upset about it. I just couldn't believe that Jonas was gone. And then in my head, I was like, okay, that can lead to anything happening, right? If Jonas can get dealt, anybody can get dealt, minus, you know, Ja and Jaron, really. Um, even Bain at that point, like, he, he wasn't as indispensable as he is now, right? And so I was like, well, well what else is going to happen? And ended up really no other major players were shipped off or anything. But uh, And then I was in the same exact boat with you when they took Zaire with the 10th pick. I was a huge Moses Moody guy. Loved him. Again, I was – 
positive they were about to take Moses Moody. And that was, that was when I threw something <laughs> they took Zaire, which, oh, oh, how the tables have turned where now I'm all around, all about Z season. I'm sitting there, Zaire, shouting it from the rooftops. But with Steven Adams in particular, I was – I was hoping we would get a renaissance season, right? Get back to sort of what you saw with him pairing up with Russell Westbrook and OKC. Um, but I wasn't optimistic. That was the thing. I was like, if we get that Steven Adams, it'll be awesome. I knew we would probably love his attitude and his character, you know, and his, his persona a lot in Memphis. But as far as play goes, I was like, we really need that to be what happens. But I didn't expect much from him. He's older. You know, it's a lot of times it's hard to have as down of a year as he had in New Orleans and then come back and find it again. Right. But lo and behold, he did, right? And I think if you're a Grizzlies fan, you couldn't have asked for much more than what you got from him this season because, I mean, he was awesome, right? I mean, he had, I think, the highest pass-to-shot ratio on the team. I looked up that. Shout-out to Funaki Stats uh, – or at Funaki Stats, sorry, Stephen Adams Stats – on Twitter, I went to on a deep dive there to find some of this stuff, but um, highest assist average of his career by a lot, like over double what it was before, or um, his career average, I'm sorry, and then highest rebound per game average of his career. I mean, he found it, right? I mean, the way he fit on this team was awesome, but talk a little bit more about that because I think the the role he filled in Memphis was what Jonas did for this team minus the scoring, but I think we saw the scoring develop in other guys that made it seem like Adams is an even better fit than Jonas was. Yeah, that was the big thing, you know, that didn't really make sense when you're trying to make, you know, the comparison apples to apples when they really apples and oranges. Like Jonas has been a scorer. That's what he does even, you know, in the offseason when he's playing for, you know, for his homeland. So, um, you know, obviously you're going to see a drop off in points per game. I think last year, JV had about right at 18 points a game and Steven Adams, he was right there about seven. So if you're not really watching the game of basketball, you're just looking at stats like a lot of people do on Twitter. Um, you're going to look at it as, you know, we took a loss. We took a step back. But like you were saying, like JV was we we can, we, you know, putting Phyllis to the side. He was really our number two option. You know, when he was here, you know, Dylan and and, and Jaron, they were behind him. And like you said, even his uh, rookie year, Desmond Bain was obviously, you know, I, he wasn't starting. But if you want to compare them where they were, he would have been fifth if he started that year. So, um, you know, moving out your second fiddle, you know, to bring in a guy that's basically fifth fiddle doesn't make a lot of sense on paper. But then you look at, uh, like you said, a six per game last year, comparing the two, they were up on uh, they were up on Jonas. Rebounds per minute. I looked. I looked at something like crazy, like this. Like they were right there with each other as far as minutes played uh, at point three eight uh, per game. So um, you didn't really lose a drop off in rebounding as far as minutes played. Uh, and in per, obviously JV is going to be a little bit higher just because his points are higher. He's you know a use his usage is a little bit higher down there. They didn't have Zion last year. All they had really was uh, Brandon Ingram up until they had that trade for CJ McCollum. So. Uh, Steven Adams, his PER was 17.6 per game. So you're looking at they really close in a lot of the things that you would say on paper impact the game, but the stuff that you don't see on paper is just those slip screens that Steven Adams had. Those, the, I mean, the assist that he didn't get because just shots weren't made. And I know that's a lot of, you know, a lot of assists are like that, but 
uh, I mean, he had some stuff. I mean, it looked really like Mark Gasol in his prime, you know, as far as his the way he thinks playing the game and stuff like that. So um, it was just a blessing to have him on the squad last year. And like I said, you know, the, the connection that him and Ja have, I hope one day Jaron and him get that because, you know, we're going to need him to play a little down low if he ever does move to the five. But if he doesn't, we need to make sure we have somebody to always fill that role. I think that's going to always, you know, enhance Jaws game, having somebody like that on the floor with him. So, um, yeah, man, you know, you, like you said, you replace a guy that's just, just really not um, what you look for in the scoring role, but he fits so many other areas that I'm glad we got him. And again, the front office, they hit, you know, you're looking back on it, they hit for sure. Yeah, I think they might make a lot of us eat crow later on and <laughs> this year too with some of that. But no, with Adams, that's exactly my where I'm at with it is, you know, I don't want to call JV a selfish player because I don't think he is, but he's going to get his touches. He's going to get his shots up, right? And Adams is just not. He's just a selfless player and he knows his role and he loves playing it, right? And I think actually I uh, I looked this up. This is not basketball related, but basketball related. And I looked up, I just love tattoos. I think they're awesome. And I love Steven Adams tattoos. Now I was actually looking up Funaki. Cause I was like, is that like a, is that a Kiwi thing? Or is that something? Turns out it's just his middle name, which it is a heritage thing, but I, um, but I was looking up and I was reading about his tattoos and all of his tattoos are to represent his heritage from New Zealand. And he was talking about, what those tattoos meant and his quote was what we did represented family strength and protection with any Polynesian or Maori culture those are the main things and you see that in his basketball right you see him playing that protector role you see him playing that strength role I mean it's a joke you see him squeezing guys arms (laughs) between foul shots but he's a strong dude but he plays that protector role that strength role that selfless role that ends up fitting this team even better than Jonas because at any given time, you're going to have three guys on the team who you want shooting the ball. Really, it's going to be Ja, Jaron, Bain, Tyus, Zaire, even Conchar. You got guys who can shoot the ball and you need someone to help facilitate. And I thought that's what Adams did amazing this season was just the facilitation stuff. I mean, the assist thing is what really stands out to me. 3.4 assists. His career average was one and a half assists per game. His previous high was 2.3 assists per game, but you saw it play out. And when he would get the ball at the top of the key by the end of the season, defenses were keying in on him as a facilitator and chasing guys around, which let them open up other actions in the offense, right? Because he was such a good facilitator. And so his ability to fill that role and look to pass and then the screen assists were just awesome, man. I mean, John needs a great screener on the court. He does. I mean, he can take guys one-on-one off the dribble, but the way defense is key on him, he needs that screener. And right. you can't find anyone better than Adams at it, right? Except for Draymond because he form tackles guys. But I don't really think that counts in, in my book, whether or not it counts in the finals. You know, that's a whole nother story. But he sits those screen assists, and then the way he will seal guys off in the paint too. I mean, he's just an expert, expert mind at the game and playing his role. And I thought it was awesome, and I thought he had a huge impact on this team. Uh, I thought he had much more of an impact at the point where I was debating whether or not I would have him or a young up-and-coming talent like Mitchell Robinson looking at this offseason and potential centers available, right? And that's just not a discussion I expected to be having with myself or an argument I expected to be having. 
but that impact was huge. And I think that with the continued growth of players this offseason heading into next season, that impact is going to be even higher because they're going to have a whole year under their belt together. They're going to have each other's games to know how to play off of it. And then you just have better, better skills all around. But looking ahead at his impact, obviously this year we saw what it was. We were able to really flesh that out. But looking ahead to this season, what do you think that impact is going to be looking like for him as the players around him continue to grow and he gets more comfortable with them? Well, if you bring in the guys they brought in as far as in the draft to shoot, and then you're looking, you know, everybody else that's around them, you know, you're looking for them to work on this offseason. No matter what else you work on, ball skills, stuff like that, you still need to work on your three-point shot. Even John Morant working on that three-point shot. You got to get somebody to get rebounds. And we saw, you know, in that in that Golden State series, that's what lost us the game, period. It, it really sucks that he didn't play, I believe it was the first three games. Um, and so, you know, not having them out there, I think that sways – you know, I think they were 2-1 in those first three. I think we go up 2-1 if he's there. Um, and then just like you said, the screen assist, just his style of play with this team, we got to have him on there. So, uh, you know, getting up more shots, getting up more threes, got to get somebody to get rebounds, especially with Jaren not being there the first uh, couple months, even though we know he's not the best rebounder. But I know a lot of that plays in him being on the perimeter a lot too, which a lot of people don't put into account. So, um, you know, I, I think – He's going to be in that same role, but it's just going to be more of importance. They know what they had to work on after that second round series and say, okay, all right, you know, I know we played them on the 26 minutes a game uh, pretty much last year. We may have to up that in the playoffs. And that granted is matchup based. He didn't play a lot in that first round series against um, Minnesota. But then you look at the addition they got, you know, this offseason bringing Gobert in. Okay. Steven Adams can play on the floor with him because he's not going to be spacing the floor like Cat was. Now you're leaving Jaron to kind of deal with Cat. So it's going to be matchup based. I understand that, but you got to have rebounding on this team. And I think outside of not really getting a combo guard or somebody that can really create shots on the, you know, the free agent market, I think that was the biggest thing that I was disappointed that we didn't grab with just another person that can just strictly go rebound. I know Daniel laughed when I brought up JaVale McGee, but like that type of player, it don't got to be him. But, you know, just having somebody, all we want you to do, bro, is be athletic and go get rebounds. That's what we need, you know. So I just hate the fact we losing rebound balance to Kevon Looney. Like it really made me mad watching it. So, um, but yeah, just staying in that role, um, not, you know, getting outside of yourself. I saw him working on his three-point shot. And if he's open, great, take it. But don't you be out there just trying to make sure you open to take him. That's my thing. You don't want to see an Adams fade away from the wing? Nah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Stick to your game, brother. I'd say that's fair enough. And also, before we get off of that, and I forget shout-outs to Minnesota for eliminating the matchup issues we had with them this year. So now it's not only our is Memphis going to be the better team. Memphis is going to be the better team, and it shows when we match up. So um Shout out to them uh, putting Gobert out there so we can keep uh, keep Adams on the floor, man. That's hilarious. But I'm I'm with you, especially with the rebounding thing. I I do have to give a shout out to Daniel. You know, usually when we're on here and Daniel's not, I like to disparage the poor guy when he doesn't have a chance to defend himself. But every once in a while, I got to get a devil his due, and he loves to talk about gang rebounding for the Grizzlies and how they need all those positions to learn how to rebound better. And to be honest, I. 
I'm I'm 100% with you. It, it killed me watching the rebounding battle get lost and having to watch that in Golden State because that is why Memphis lost those games. But I think that a lot of that comes down to Golden State as a team knew how to go get those long rebounds, and Memphis was too eager to get out and run and was just not focused enough on that. So uh, 100%, Adams is going to help that. He obviously was. He averaged 10 rebounds per game last season. That being said, I I hope that the team is able to go do some more gang rebounding because Adams can only do so much on his own. Um, but he was sorely missed in that. And I'm with you with the athletic centers as well, because I actually I love JaVale McGee. I love a good redemption story. I remember watching JaVale McGee and all there was was the low light tapes of him trying to dunk from the free throw line about four games in a row and blowing it every time. But uh, has made a real good career for himself and really changed his reputation in the league. But no, I'm with you. Adams being able to get in there and get those rebounds is going to be huge with Jaron being out. Um, You hope that Dylan is able to go and get some more rebounds. Roddy you would think is that's going to be one of his ways to be able to get in the rotation is to be able to go and get those rebounds, but it's all going to start with Adams a hundred percent. And he's going to be able to do that. And we're really going to need him for rim protection more than we did last season as well. Uh, Memphis is going to suit. I'm sorry, but um, with Jaron being out, Adams is going to be the guy that's able to has to protect the rim. And he is nowhere near Jaron Jackson jr. When it comes to that, but, not many guys in the league are he still does a decent enough job of being able to do that he's not quite as quick but he's big he's able to turn smaller bodies so he's gonna have to anchor it down there and it's gonna be interesting to see how that pans out this season more so to me is one of the biggest question marks with Adams is is he able to fill that role when it really was Jaron that was sort of the defensive anchor last season so they might move Dylan around again. Some of the rookies coming in might switch up the rotation. There's still moves to be made, but we will see. But as far as Adam's impact on the team, I think from an offensive standpoint, which was probably what Memphis would be most worried about, he's going to just thrive even more this season with those guys. Like you're saying, brought in more shooters. Guys are going to continue to work on their shots. I'm interested to see what new wrinkles Bain has in his game as well. It's There's going to be – I think Grizzlies fans – we are so not used to this kind of team, this kind of special team with special talent that we forget that John Morant and Desmond Bain are going to come back and be even better. Josh coming to only his fourth season. Bain's coming into just his third season. There's going to be all kinds of internal development that can help ease some of the concerns that we have around offseason things with the team. But that being said, Steve Adams has been a boon for this team. I think to sum it up, he has been – uh, a blessing in disguise. I think the front office knew what he was going to be. Fans did not know what he was going to be. With JV um, leaving, there's a lot of concerns, and turns out Adams was even better of a fit than JV was when it was all said and done. Still a lot of love for JV. Uh, wish he would quit picking fights with our guys and an ego thing. I think that's a little weird, but still going to show him love no matter what. But all in all, super thankful for Adams to be on this team. He is the at least – strength protector provider type role for this team, that bruiser for this team that is sorely needed, but uh, super excited to have on team. Excited to see what does this year. Any more thoughts on Steven Adams before we, we move on to our next fellow who I know you love. That's not, that's not, that's not tell the the, the people that lie. Oh, (laughs) I guess my, I just got a question for you. Do you think that they bring him back next year? I know, you know, they might make some moves at the trade deadline, but 
you know, do you think they bring them back? And if if they do, you, what kind of contract do you think they bring them back on? My gut says no, but there's just so many moving parts still because the no would center around they either want to move Jaron to the five more long term. But to be honest, I we've gotten to a point where we have a bit of a sample size. I think Jaron is a good part-time five for you. He is good small ball five when you want to space the floor or you want to do that Brandon Clark, Jaron lineup. That works. I don't think Jaron's ever going to be your full-time five. So I don't think that's going to be the move. But do they want to go and get a Robert Williams, Mitchell Robinson type player that's a little bit more above the rim? Maybe. My, my gut says their first option, what they would want more so, is to go and get another bigger wing guy and keep Adams as the center, but keep more perimeter scoring. But Adams just fits that tough bruiser screener role for this team so well. It's something that is going to be really, really hard to replicate. And unless you can get someone who does that to a T, I don't know why you would move off of them because I, I think you get them at a good value too. So mm-hmm. my, my gut, I gut initially said no, but the more I talked about it right then, I actually sort of talked myself into yes. Um, just because what else are you going to do? I mean, uh, I, I think unless they get a chance at a really, really awesome athletic talent at center, they stick with Adams. What, what's your gut on that? I think for the longevity of Josh's career, you got to have somebody like that on the squad. I just yeah. do. And then enforce a role, yes, you can probably get – you could probably go get a Montrez Harold to be an uh, enforcer. I get that part. But the stuff that he does on the court, Montrez Harold can't do. A lot of the guys is like that. They can't do what Steven Adams does. You know, like I said, the little things that don't actually show up on the box score. So I think that, you know, if they don't get rid of him at the trade deadline, which it don't make sense to do unless the trade just makes sense, uh, they bring him back, like you said, on a on a good value contract. He ain't getting 18 point, whatever he's getting right now on the open market. He's just not. But if we can bring him back at maybe the mid-level uh, or maybe a little bit above, maybe give him 10, uh, 10 million, 10 to 12 million to bring him back. The cap is going up, so it's not going to really hurt us that much. Um, and like you said, unless it's just an obvious upgrade, I say bring him back and let's roll with what we got. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing is the production that the money you're going to be paying because you're about to pay Jaron a lot of money, about to pay Ja a whole lot of money, and you're about to pay Bain a lot of money as well, right? And there's you're only you're only going to end up paying more and more money for these guys. So a guy whose value is probably going to go down at least in dollars, probably worth keeping around for the production he brings. So I, I think I've talked myself in a circle, and I'm now going to jump off at uh jump off at yeah i do think they bring him back for for those reasons you mentioned so uh hopefully they do he's a fan favorite love him love his rolling team seems like a great guy too but moving along so for for some context on these deep dive podcasts are going to be paired with some articles talk about that here a little bit later but we're also going to do a second secondary player um that we will not go in as much detail on but Thought we wanted to hit on them as well because of potential contributions this upcoming season and the fact that we may not be able to hit on all of them in a podcast, but do not worry. We will get articles on them. That being said, because I'm on here with Chris today, who is doing this Steven Adams deep dive article, I wanted to bring on another one of his favorites from the team. If you listen to the podcast last week again, you will know this. If not, pause, go listen to that, come back. That way I won't be saying shame on you. 
But we talked about his deep love for one Santi Aldama, who was the star of Summer League for exactly two games. He really wasn't even the star of Summer League for the Grizzlies. But that being said, he was clearly the best player on the floor in Summer League for two of those games, which, again, best player on the floor in Summer League doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be awesome. But if you're going to be awesome, you better be the best player on the floor in Summer League. So some encouraging things from Santi Aldama. but. I'm going to throw it over to Chris first so that he can tell us about all his joys around Santi Aldama and what he thinks he's going to be able to bring to the team this year as an obvious rotation piece. So Chris, tell us a little bit about Santi in all seriousness, you, what you saw from him in summer league. And if you think it carries any value coming into the regular season. Yeah, I got my composure today, man. So I'm not, I'm not over here dying or laughing like I was last podcast. I had to (laughs) <laughs> seriously if you didn't listen to the last podcast go listen to it because chris we couldn't even talk to him for a minute he couldn't breathe he was laughing so hard at me saying anything positive so glad you had your composure today yeah i'm good today um let's try to be objective with sandy claus like you said um it really boggles me when i look at his college film i'm gonna go back to that like the, it shows that he has some type of basketball skill um, so when you bring him into an NBA setting like we did last year, I mean, summer league, he really didn't show much. And, you know, I get it. You know, you, you got jitters, you're nervous. We saw it from Zaire. We saw it from Zaire in his first couple games this, you know, summer league, because I think he realized maybe some of the pressure that they were putting on him to make a jump. So I understand that, you know, I've been in some situations myself that I may not be as comfortable in that I may get to, you know, tripping over my words, hands get to sweating, tripping over myself, period. So I understand that part. But, you know, it just his game hasn't translated yet from what we saw. He was kind of a do-it-all guy in college, seven-footer, could put the ball on the floor, could take somebody in the post, and could pop three at the same time. Also was athletic enough to actually play good defense, uh, blocks and stuff like that. So um, just really curious to see him put it all together on the NBA team you know in 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 an NBA setting because uh the the beginning of summer league it was the same thing you know I was like okay they starting this guy but it's not like last year when you saw Tillman and Tilly out there being second year guys they just looked a lot more confident you know Tilly we understand he has injury stuff uh going on but just he looked a lot more comfortable Aldama, I was like, bro, he didn't work on nothing these last couple months. I don't know what he did. And then next thing you know, the last two games, he could have been MVP of the whole summer league based off, you know, what he did. So um, I don't know. Again, you know, I'm going to give him his his shout out and his praises. Like, you know, I'm proud that he was able to put those games together. I just don't know how that's going to translate in the regular season because a lot of you go back and watch the tape. And I did because I want to make sure that I wasn't too hard on the guy a lot of his points were like literally just either missed rebounds, put them back up or he's right under the goal and, and, and he's putting it back up. Now, granted, you're going to be playing a little bit more skilled defenders in the league. When you get to the NBA, um, it may not be as easy. Now I get that he did drop, I think it was four threes. Uh, and one of those games, again, that's amazing because if you look at his three point percentage and time back to the last pod that we had, I told you, I wanted to go grab those stats, um, comparing him to Marco Guterich <laughs> and in both of their rookie seasons Marco Guterich from three he was 30 percent 
we brought him over from wherever he was playing at previously to come hit threes. Did he do it at a high clip? It wasn't great, but 30%, that's that's something that I I would have gave him a second or third year versus Santi if I'm looking at three-point percentage. Because when we go to Sandy Aldama, he was 12.5% from three. That's insane, bro. Like, I think I could probably go hit 12.5%. And I have never been a shooter by at all, at all. I was a go get the rebound, go get steals, play defense. I was a hustle guy because I played football. And I know some people may say that's not their excuse, but whatever. That, that's what I did. But 12.5%, that's just not acceptable. They played the same amount of minutes per game uh, at 11 minutes per game. Uh, Aldama, he <laughs> I think you had the stat, Nate, of actually how many threes he took. That's insane. But I'll just say, if you're if a third of your shots come from three and you only hit 12.5% of that, you need to find another way to impact the game. And so that's what I'm looking for. Aldama. Like, you know, if, if, if he's worked on his shot enough to where he can hit even 30 to 35%. Okay, bro, step on that three point line and let's try to knock him down. But if we're going to go sub 20% again, you got to figure out how you're going to, you know, play on this team because you got Kenny Lofton coming in behind you this year. You got Xavier Tillman that is a do-it-all guy that we've seen in the playoffs been improving. And Tilly, I know, can hit shots when he's healthy. He just ain't been healthy. So, to me, that's the top three guys you're going to be, you know, basically battling against for a rotation spot. I want to see you go out there and actually give them, a, give them a battle. I don't want you to just sit there and lay down and let them folks just take your spot like that. So, um, you know, I'm not going to be as hard, as hard on him as I was last part, but definitely I just – want to point out some of the things that he definitely needs to show going into year two. Uh, I know he's going to spend a lot of time in the G league down in South Haven, uh, but work on your game, bro. Cause you, you're on a four year contract. He's only making 2.5 million a year. I know it's not a, a big contract, but they show faith in you, you know, giving you four years. So if they're going to give you four, I'll give you three. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't hold off on all the shots. Could you? No, I couldn't. <laughs> right. no listen, man, it's, it's it's all fair. It really is all fair at the end of the day because Santi last year was wildly disappointing for a guy who I don't think a ton was expected of. And it's sort of been the Grizzlies' MO. They don't mind going up and getting the guy in the first round that is – they don't necessarily have to get in the first round, but so they can have contract control with those guys, which is going to pay off with guys like Desmond Bain. And then you got guys like Santi Aldama where we'll say the nice way of putting his jury still out. But with Santi, I can't argue with you at all about, well, pretty much any of it, to be honest. Um, the three-point stuff, again, it's 12.5%, and you chucked up 48 threes last year, shot 12.5%, and you shot 132 shots total. So that's a pretty big chunk of that. Um, can't happen. And it, it, that has to be better if you're going to keep shooting those shots. That being said, exactly like you you were pointing out, he wasn't brought in here to be just a three-point shooter, right? He was brought in here to be a seven-footer who could shoot threes. The key of that is you're a seven-footer, you're a huge body, and you can be versatile, and you can score in a lot of different ways. Defensively, you're able to do some different things. And so the three-point needs, needs to be a facet of his game because I don't think he's athletic enough to be able to do more inside where – if he can't shoot a three, he's an NBA player. That being said, we need to see more from him than just the three point shot. And I think with me, 
until I see it in an NBA game, I'm not going to be bought in. That being said, in those two games in summer league, what I really liked was that he didn't just knock down four threes and he didn't just hit those little bunnies, the putbacks. He had himself in a position to hit those putbacks. He was using his body to create position down low. So, yes, a lot of those were layups, shots at the rim. He was using his body in a way he was not comfortable doing in his first year. And he was shooting those shots with a lot more confidence than he was in his first year. He was getting a lot more rebounds than he was even at the beginning of summer league, right? And I think that was what was key for Aldama in summer league was he, you could see the game slow down for him in a lot of different areas. It wasn't just, okay, it's three point shot looks good now. Because again, it's a comfort thing. You and I talked about this before the podcast with, with Marco Guterich. We talked about that with him and Justice Winslow. It was one of those things you could see. He was not going to be more comfortable. It just wasn't going to happen. And I think with Aldama last year, you saw that he was confident he was just a step behind. And you could tell in his head he was a step behind and he knew it. But it was one of those things where he's like, you could see he knew he knew how to make those shots, right? There was a chance for development. And in the first few games of Summer League, did not look like it. looked like he was still in his head. He was still a step behind the game. You'd see moments in games where he looked like, okay, that's a guy who the game's slowing down for. And then the next minute, it would be the same. But for him to put two full games together where he had the game slow down so much that he looked like he was in a completely different league than the other guys on the court is a massive indicator to me that he has developed, right? And again, until you see it on an NBA floor, it really doesn't matter. But I have a renewed confidence in Aldama after that to become an NBA rotation piece. I do not think he'll be a star. If he becomes a star, I don't. I don't know who the one person is that would claim that he could become a star, but listen, draft hashtag draft expert, whatever it is, NBA analysis, that, that would be amazing. But can he become an NBA rotation piece? Yes. If the game slows down for him and he can be a seven footer who hits threes, knows how to use his body down low is able to then have the mental quickness to get those rebounds. Cause that was what, again, I say it over and over again. I sort of sound like a broken record, but it wasn't that he couldn't get those rebounds. It was that his mind was still three passes before that, and the other guy was getting up and getting the rebound, right? And in summer league, you saw that flip, and he was able to actually do that. He looked like he was ahead of everybody on the court, and that's huge. The mental block thing is huge, and now you get to see if the talent's going to pull through. And so, listen, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's this season, but – I think that there's a chance we see a lot more Aldama minutes than we were we were thinking we were going to get this season. And I think that it showed a real potential to become a rotation piece for this team if he can put it together. So um, this season, I again, I sort of doubt we get much Aldama in the rotation, but the way things shake out, if no more moves are made and he is able to show more consistency, then he probably does jump over at Tillman, who is always solid, but never going to be spectacular. If Aldama is able to consistently knock down shots and he's not going to be a negative defensively, there's a chance he jumps in rotation too. I don't necessarily anticipate it, but it, it could happen. Um, I don't know. The, I guess I want to get the last thing from you on Aldama 
do you think we get do you think we get more than the uh what was it 11 minutes was it 11 minutes per game last mm-hmm. season do we yep. do we get more or less minutes per game from Aldama heading into this season I mean, if, if you're talking just immediately heading into the season, you got to factor in the Jaren injury. So, you know, it, that opens up more minutes for that four or five spot. I think if you count it from there until whenever Jaren comes back, I think it's at least maybe 15. Uh, and you see what you got in him. You know, my big thing with him, and, I, and again, I think it's really unfair, even myself, when we look at the leap that Bang took going from year one to year two. Uh, I think it's more so we got to start looking at some of these players that come in as a Brandon Clark. Like, just focus on and perfect what you're really, really good at and just become a, become a master of that. Don't try to add or don't stress yourself on adding something that you're not. You know, BC was really good at popping threes here and there. We went into that, that summer and, you know, tried to focus on making him a knockdown three-point shooter. And I don't know what happened with the shot. It got worse. So, um, you know, with Zaire, we wanted to send him to the, you know, summer league to work on ball handling. And like I said, you know, in the last part, I was encouraged on seeing him work on what was, what he was already, you know, good at and being great at those things and just maybe adding a few things to that. But uh, same thing with Aldama, bro. Work, work on what you're good at already, which, like I said, in college was him being at the top of that key. And, you know, uh, either focusing on faking the handoff, faking the pass, finding the open man or then working around to get your shot. That's what he was good at, but, you know, as well as athleticism and defense. If he can focus on and hone in on those, then he may carve out a spot and, you know, in the future. But for right now, I'm going I'm to leave it at maybe 15 minutes a game, barring something else happens. You know, maybe maybe Kenneth Lofton, my boy, punks him in some uh, uh, preseason uh, practices. The next thing you know, he got that spot. We'll see. But, um yeah, I, like I said, I'm rooting for anybody in the Grizzly jersey. So I'm not. I don't. I I know it makes you know come off as as a way, but I want to see all them guys win. You know, us having a deep team like last year, one to fifteen. I want one to fifteen every single year to be you know decent decent ro- uh, rotation NBA players. So uh, if it's not, then we got to move on. But you know, at the end of the day, he wearing Bill Street blue. Uh, I cannot talk today. I'm sorry, Bill Street blue. I'm for the guy. <laughs> Uh, we both got the Sunday scaries. It's okay. No, I, I think we we couldn't make that clear enough here. We we come on here to give honest analysis of the team and just give honest opinions about what it looks like would be best for the team, how we think we things will shake out. Because at the end of the day, it is a business. It is a competitive business, and teams are trying to win, and not everybody is going to succeed in that kind of environment. Otherwise, me and Chris would be in Bill Street Blue too. <laughs> Trust us. <laughs> but – that's um, but that being said, we love these guys on this team. I mean, Chris and I have a well-documented disagreement about one key rotation player, heart and soul guy, and Dylan Brooks, who uh, I've notoriously left the island and thought I'd never have a chance to come back. But now it's looking like me hanging out on my raft might come in handy. I might be able to get back on it. But all that to say, when Dylan Brooks is out there. Chris wants Dylan to be awesome just as much as I want Dylan to be awesome and vice versa with any of these guys on this team. So can't be clear enough about that. With Aldama to wrap things up, I'm looking at the rotation and I've really got top. I'll put an asterisk next to Jaron. Obviously he'll come in when he's off his injury, but job Bain Brooks. I went ahead and threw Zaire in the starting lineup just for purposes here. Adams, there's your starting five. Then I got Tyus, Conchar, B 
BC. And then I sort of am split between Danny Green and Jake LaRavia on that nine. I personally like David Roddy at the nine after summer league, but they took LaRavia with the 19th overall pick. He has a lot of potential. I think they get him um, where he's willing to pull the trigger a little bit more. He'll probably jump in there. Danny Green, though, if he's coming off that injury and he's okay to play, a guy that is a veteran player who's won some championships that I, I can't imagine not being in the rotation when you look at that. That being said, that's nine. That leaves you with, again, either LaRavia or Green. We'll say LaRavia, Roddy, Lofton, Tillman, Aldama for that 10th spot. I think they're going to put Lofton down in South Haven for the most part this season. Um, So I think that comes down between really Tillman, Roddy, Aldama. And I think it's a toss-up. Again, I think that... Roddy showed a lot of reasons to play him in this summer league. I, I personally, again, put him at that nine spot, but uh, we'll see what shakes out. Tillman and Aldama, it's a toss up. If Aldama can be more consistent, he will jump Tillman. If he can be consistent with that shot and consistently not get lost on the court, which he showed in summer league, he has the ability to not get lost on the court. I think he jumps Tillman purely from the potential purely from a potential standpoint, because he can, he can knock down those shots consistently and Tillman can't. And again, this is all counting on that coming to fruition. If he can't knock down those shots, it's, it's off or not. Right. Um, there's no way to really say what's going to happen. He, I think his destiny is in his hands with how he does it. I think that this year, if I had to guess, he's not going to jump Tillman. He's not going to be able to be consistent with it, but he'll get spot minutes to try and prove that he can here and there. So we will see with that, but Unless you have anything else, that's going to wrap it up for Aldama here. And that's going to wrap up our first deep dive podcast. So, again, we did these deep dives on these players. We're going to be doing these deep dives on these players to talk a little bit more in some short form or conversational form, have some back and forth. But all the guys from Grizzly are going to be writing some of these deep dive articles coming out. Chris has this coming out. This Adams piece will be coming out this week, most likely on Tuesday. And so you'll be able to read more in there. And that's going to be obviously more in depth and in a written form, being able to take a look at Adams' role in this team last year, what he was able to accomplish, what that looks like going into next season, impact, et cetera. So I know it's sort of a uh, sort of a wasteland of Grizz content out there, but we're here to be your oasis going forward. So Go check out Grizzly. We'll have stuff coming out every week, not just here on the Grizz 901 podcast, but on Grizzly in articles as well. And so looking forward to doing that. And so, Chris, uh, do you have anything you want to say about that Adam's piece going forward and any kind of teasers to get people's appetites going? Uh, like I say, stay tuned, man. Just stay tuned for the 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 deep dive on Aquaman. I was just watching his exit interview to kind of finish up my piece. And that was kind of funny hearing him say that. So uh, not really, you know, too many, I ain't gonna say juicy pieces, but it's going to be some real good breakdowns. Just like I said, of what he brings to the team and what it kind of would look like without him. So y'all definitely check in, tap in and, uh, you know, just stay on, uh, on the lookout for what we got coming for y'all the rest of the summer. Yeah, look out for that. Chris has got some awesome stuff. Check out some of his past work on Grizzly as well. He's an awesome writer, always has really good thoughts on stuff. And looking for some in-depth stuff, Chris is the guy to go read. So check that out. Go again, check us out on Twitter. Chris Ingram at Crimman underscore. Am I saying that right? Or am I blowing it? All right, perfect. 
<laughs> I don't want I don't want to sound like an idiot. I've already done that enough on this podcast. Go find me at Mem Grizz Homer, Nathan Qualls on Twitter. And then of course go follow us at Grizz underscore lead and at Grizz901 Podcast. Look forward to that. Send us any kind of notes, comments. If you want to interest or are interested, if you are interested in working with Grizzly at all, please send us a note on Twitter as well. Feel free to DM us about that. But until next time, we will have a uh, we'll have a little bit of a throwback episode coming out later in the week as well. So check that out. Some awesome interviews that our beloved Daniel Greer, he's gone but not forgotten. He's going to throw this on for us. But until next time, have fun. Be nice. Tell your friends.